J.T. Crowley is talking books. On this show, you'll hear from emerging talent and seasoned veterans from around the world. They'll give you their take on the writing process and how to create the secret sauce of page-turning deliciousness. Let's get into that magical mixture of the art and science of creativity. Here's J.T. Crowley, author of The Smart Kids and your podcast host. Hello, everyone. I'm J.T. Crowley, and today I have another interesting author for you, Eleanor Riley from Brooklyn in New York in the United States. Eleanor has written, as far as I can see, two books, Out of Evil, the first one, and Rungs on My Ladder. And it's Rungs on My Ladder that we're going to talk about today. She's married to her husband, Cecil, who in her church carries the title Apostle Cecil. They are both church people dedicating their lives to the service of God and the community, both local to them and the wider field. Eleanor and Cecil have been blessed with two daughters, Elizabeth and Esther, who have now flown the nest, so to speak, to follow their own career paths. Eleanor was born in Westmoreland, Jamaica, a western parish of the island of Jamaica. Her book, for me, is a kind of autobiographical memoir in steps of both her personal and spiritual life, which are so deeply entwined. From a young girl in Jamaica to the present day as a first lady within her church. She shares the ups and downs that she's faced as she's climbed all 56 runs, everybody, of her ladder. Rungs of my ladder, that's why the book is called that, because this is all about her life, her spiritual and personal life, 56 steps, 56 runs on this imaginary ladder. So let's chat to her to reveal what are those 56 runs in this lady's life. Eleanor, come and join me. Hello, John. How are you today? I'm good. And yes, so I'm from Derby in the United Kingdom, and here I am chatting to you in Brooklyn in the United States of America. For yeah, me, sounds it's like you're right next door. I know. For me, it's afternoon, but for you, it's morning. Morning here in the <laughs> East Coast. Yes. Eleanor, your book is fascinating. Um, what I want to know is, Ella, your book has 12 chapters in it. And to each uh, of those chapters, you have 56 rungs within the whole book. Yes. And for me, they are a step both in your personal and spiritual life. What was the reason for setting this significant book of yours out in this manner, in this fashion? Why all the rungs and why did you group certain rungs into certain the, the 12 chapters within your book? Uh, I tell you, John, I could... I could write a few more rungs added to that. You mentioned 56, and I know that I have more than another 56. And to be honest, I believe my life story is a unique one. I honestly believe that. And every person should believe that their life story is a unique one. It's remarkable different, I say, from most people. And I, I speak for myself. You know, the journey of life is not a rehearsal. And we should, we should know that. Um, we pass this way once, one time. And uh, whatever we do between now and then um, needs to be written. It's a wrong. 
you know, so every day, every minute of the day, something new happens. And it's an experience, not only for yourself, but for others. Someone else can, you know, when they get up to that wrong, they can say, well, here it is. You know, someone has been this way before. So, so let's go to your, your first chapter, Eleanor. Yes. In your first chapter, which you titled The Beginning, you talk about your place of birth, your, your first day at school, and the ethos about obtaining an education, which as far as I understand, having had several conversations with you, because we've chatted before, before we've come on this podcast, everybody. Yes. That education is, a, is prior to not only you, but for women throughout the whole world as well. Yes. And it's this education that you brought from your birth, your childhood, right up to the present day. It's so important to you. It's been there for your whole life. Mm-hmm. And in that chapter, you got an anonymous quote. And you say, labor for learning before you grow old. For learning is better than silver or gold. Silver and gold will vanish away. But a good education will never decay. You go on to talk about your first spiritual connection through the Holy Spirit when you attended the Church of the Firstborn in Maypen, Jamaica. When I look at this chapter, Eleanor, I think this is you. This is you introducing yourself to the readers, you know, your humble beginnings, you as a person, you're introducing a bit to your spiritual life here. I'm right, aren't I? Say, say that again. I'm think- right, aren't I? This first chapter is about you. It's about me. As mm-hmm. a humble background from the yeah. start and the start of your spiritual life. Yes. Do you care to tell us more here? Oh well, um, I could, I could, I could sit here and tell you all about that for the next ten days. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I always, I always keep referring to my my youthful days. You know, as a child coming up from school, coming right up to my church. Um, I'm, I think I do believe that I was called by God as, as a special uh, child for a special purpose. And um, when I, I when I got to the age of, you know, Jamaicans always say um, the age of uh, when you're responsible, when you're when you're sensible enough to know that right is right and wrong is wrong. Um, in my church that I, I I grew up in from Sunday school, I was taught to love the Lord. And I was taught, you know, um, to uh, give my life to the Lord as a a young girl growing up. And um, uh, from then on, I had I I grow with a consciousness, a spiritual consciousness that there's something more to life than just waking up every day and doing the same thing over and over again. There's something more to life than that. And I asked God to tell me what is that about? Show me what's more to life. And what's more to life is to be a Christian, to, de- to surrender my life to him and to serve him. You, um, you know, you've already touched upon this. Um, 
you know, your bulk of yours is built around rungs, rungs of a ladder. So let's, you know, get to a few of these rungs. So let's get into this book. Okay, so let's go to chapter three, Eleanor. Now you head that up as destiny. Here you have six rungs of this imaginary ladder, 16 to 21 inclusive. And like in all your chapters, each rung, you have a topical heading to it. So what I would like to do now, Eleanor, is to have a look at one of the rungs in this chapter. And we're going to go to rung number 17, meeting his mentor. Because this struck me um, very significantly. Here you talk about your husband, Cecil. Easy to communicate. You talk about your singing. You talk about Bishop Shaw. And you quote John. Chapter 3, verse 16, from the King James Version, for God so loved the world. I I love that phrase, and I love that scriptural readings as well. Why did you put this wrong in your book, in this first chapter, meeting his mentor? What's the relevance to everybody? What's the relevance to you, your husband, your, um, your singing, your easy communication? Uh, I, I, I specifically put that wrong in the book because uh, it meant so much to me at the time. Uh, my husband, um, his bishop from a child growing up, his mentor, I did not know him in the beginning, but he talks about him so much. And I could see from his upbringing that he was taught by his mentor a lot of things that kind of fashioned him, you know, as a youth growing up to be who he is today. So telling me about his mentor, his um, Bishop Shaw, I, I kind of knew him before I even met him. And I could see that he was really, you know, brought up by this um, pastor, his bishop, in a good way, because the traits that he has or he displays are traits that I like. And I said, this is something that I could pattern. So I was really happy to meet him, to talk with him, you know, and to see if what was said about him is true. And I realized that all of that was was so. So meeting him and, you know, uh, going on, with um with with Cecil and um being married to him afterwards, you know, it, it meant a lot to me. And I, I found out that what he told me about him was not a lie. You know. What about your singing? You uh, love your singing, singing. Say that again. You love your singing. I love my singing. I started singing at the age of seven. When maybe um, younger, when they in in our uh, church in Jamaica, when um, one is talented, you could see the talent in someone from a child growing up. You could see which way they are inclined to go. And I was inclined to sing. I used to just read songs from the book, even if I don't know them. I would learn the words, even if I had to say them in a poem. And, you know, when I started singing, my mother taught me how to sing. And in Sunday school, I don't know if they have Sunday school where you are. We do. know about Sunday school. They used to put me up on a table or, on, you know, on a chair to stand so I could see everybody to sing. 
And for some reason, I always thought I was the greatest singer at age seven. So I, I pursued that, you know, and I asked God in my prayer to help me to be a singer. Of course, a lot of people don't think I could sing, but I think I can sing, you know. So I got my singing um, uh, push from that uh, age of seven. And I, I sort of built on it as I grew. I built on it uh, until I, I, I prayed that uh, if I got the opportunity to come to the United States, that's one of the main things I would try to get into singing and recording. And God has helped me to do that. You know, when you look at some of the most famous uh, singers in the world, you know, you talk about Eartha Kitts, you talk about uh, Rita Franklin, you talk about Dionne Warwick, you even talk about Whitney Houston. They all, their singing careers all stemmed from gospel. Yes. The black African community singing at Sunday schools. Yes. Was it? Yes. I, I, I realized, you know, I, I never um, thought that I would have, gotten to the point where I could talk like them because every testimony I would say that they have they would tell you where they start from Sunday school from the church you know the biggest yeah. gospel singers are the biggest you know um uh, uh singers that's on stage Beyonce absolutely them, you yeah. know they 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 start from from Sunday school from the church and and that's a very good thing that's a very good upbringing you know, singing from Sunday school, starting up. And God has helped all of them to, oh, to, to get to the top, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I'm really, really happy to know that I have started at that point also where they have started. You know, I want to go to um, chapter six now, Eleanor. And of course, I've got to go to chapter six, everybody, because this chapter, everybody, is headed up First Lady. <laughs> now, <laughs> A lot you won't know this, everybody, but when I first met Eleanor, when we were doing the chit chats to back to how we're going to do this podcast, when I first saw Eleanor, I immediately thought of Michelle Obama. Of course, Michelle Obama was the former first lady of the you know uh, United States, and sometimes when we were chatting, everybody, I would slip into actually calling Eleanor Michelle, and we would giggle and laugh about it. <laughs> So, of course, when I saw in her book, Chapter Six, First Lady, I thought, I'm going here. <laughs> so let's go to Chapter Six. Um, now, again, you've got several rungs of your personal and spiritual life here. But I want to go to number 36, Eleanor, the Christian life, because I think this is important. Yes. Here you quote the Lubin brothers. You also cite Romans chapter 8, verse 10, if Christ be within you. You even um, go to uh, John chapter 12, verse 32, and I, and if I be lifted up, oh, from the, the King James Version of the Bible, which I think you quite like. Yes. So my question is to you is, why did you choose those scriptural passages to support your thinking here? And what is the role of the first lady in your church? Uh, I, when I came to the United States and I, I got to know about the presidents and, um, and their wives, 
uh, they are referred to, the wives are referred to as first ladies because of the um, the role that the husbands play. They are the head of the United States or the head of their country. And because they are the head of their countries, they always call their wives. They, that's how they got to call their wives the first um, lady of the of the country or of the organization or of the church. So I got the, the title as first lady because my husband is a pastor for the church. So I, uh, I, I, I dealt with it, you know. <laughs> I said, well, uh, if he is a, uh, the first man, the head of the church, then there has to be a first lady or there is a first lady. So I, I took on the title or it was given to me. So I didn't refuse. I just go along with it as first lady of the church which comes with a big responsibility um, to be the first lady of the church. Um, uh, there's a lot of uh, things that I have to set and uh, standards that I have to set and I have to keep those standards. I have to be examples for the other ladies of the church. Um, it doesn't matter what age they are. I have to be an example and the life that I live, you know, have to be an exemplary one whether in the church or outside of the church. Um, I quote those scriptures because the scripture that says, and I, if I be lifted up, it referring to Jesus himself. Um, if we lift Jesus up, the, as the Bible quotes, if we lift him up in exalting him, in telling others about him, you know, because the scriptures also said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, telling everybody about Jesus. If we lift him up that way, he will draw others to him. All men, that's the scripture, unto him. And I always remember that scripture. Lift Jesus up. And um, like I've heard many times in, 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 in different sermons, if we lift up Jesus, we can't be too far off. As we lift him, him, we're lifting him up. We have to be right there. So I always say, let me lift Jesus up because I'm right behind him. I'm right following him. And if I lift him up, I lift myself up and I will lift others up. So I love that scripture. If I be lifted up, he will draw all men. And I am one of them that was drawn to him. I think they are wonderful scriptural passages, you know, which I know very well. And I thought, this is why, you know, joking apart from going for the first lady bit, I thought I want to go to this wrong because I recognize those scriptural passages and I thought they're very powerful. So that's why I wanted to bring them in um, yes. here. I want to go, Eleanor, now to chapter seven. And um, that chapter you have headed up to share or not to share. Mm -hmm. And here you have four rungs in this chapter, 37 to 40 inclusive. So everybody, we're two thirds away up the ladder. Yay, we're getting up there, everybody. <laughs> I want to go to rung 38. And of course, rung 38, you've headed as Esther. Now, Esther is an old biblical name and the name you and Cecil gave to your second daughter. You talk about the birth of your daughter here, but you also talk about a visit from a person you described as a person demented and how you and Cecil dealt with that situation, which was a far different approach 
you know, contrast to how the New York police handled the case. You have a quote. Just when things looked hopeless, God delivered again. I think the events of that day were both personally and spiritually, emotionally to you, so much so that you chose to write about them here. Would you like to tell us about that day? About the visitor that I had? That day, yes, you know, when you gave birth to Esther and you had the visitor, because they are two very, very, very important things to you. Yes, very important things to me. I um, I know this fellow that I had that visit from uh, that day. He was um, demented, which was not known to us, the whole story. And then um, he was uh, committed to the hospital. He was in the hospital, which we did not know either. So when the doorbell rang and I got to the door, there he was standing. And he walked right past me into my apartment. And I started to ask him, you know, what's the matter? I realized he was not speaking. So I was scared. So I went to my room and I lay down. And then I realized he came into the bed. And he went to sleep. So I called my husband and I asked him, what do I do? Because here's this fellow that I know is demented. And he's lying here in my bed. So then my husband says, I should just be calm and um, I should call. Uh, he should be home shortly. So he, call, he came home shortly. And um, in a little while, the, 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 the authorities were there because the hospital had notified them that he had left. Um, so, you know, the rest is history. As you have read in the book, they had to take him back to the hospital so that was something that I, I, I was that was frightening for me, very frightening, um, because I didn't know what he would have done if I had made a, 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 a screaming, you know, noise, or if I had talked loud, if I had said anything further to him to um, to trigger him off in 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 his mind, in his head, you know. So. Um, uh, that's how that part went. Now, wh- wh- what was the second um, question? And of course, it was also about birth of Esther, wasn't it? Yeah, the birth of Esther um, was somewhat, I thought I was, was unique. I thought I was the only person that gives birth at the time. But Esther um, could not, um, I could not birth her. I was having problems with birthing Esther. And I knew that God had given her to us because um, we had prayed and we had asked God for a second daughter. And um, when Esther came, you know, it's like we said, she, she came to the kingdom for such a time as this, like it is mentioned in the Bible. So we, um, I had a hard time giving birth to her. But thank God, after many hours, that she was born. And that's why you put, just when things looked hopeless, God delivered again. That's the quote, isn't it? Yes, yes. I thought that I would die during child's birth. It looked hopeless. The doctors are telling me to push. And I knew I was pushing. If you know what child's birth 
um, is, I don't know if you have experienced being in the hospital room, um, but my husband was there with me and he was telling me push the same way the doctor um, was telling me push. Um, and I don't, I can't remember clearly if I had written that not long after I gave birth to Esther that he died. The doctor went into his office, he sat around his desk and he died. They went into his office calling him and he was sitting there and there was no sound. They realized that he had passed away, not from giving birth to Esther, not from delivering Esther a few days after he was delivering someone else. And that's how he died. But I, 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 I could not deliver Esther. It was I had a hard time. And just when I thought that I, I need to give up, this is not going to happen. Then she came out. So that's a quote. That's why I quoted that song, Just When Things Seems Hopeless, God Delivers. What an amazing day. Yes, it was. In many ways. It was. Yes. And that's why I wanted to talk about it. Let's go, um, Eleanor, now to chapter nine. And, you know, like um, most of life, we have ups and downs. And because chapter nine, uh, you say, from the setback. Now, we're just over three quarters of the way up the ladder, everybody. We're getting there. Yes. <laughs> going up, we're going we're up. We're going up. It's like the lift. We're going up to the top floor. <laughs> <laughs> so so here we are. On, and I want to go to uh, rung number 46, because this chapter has the rungs number 45, 40 to 45. Sorry, I'll start that one again. Because this one has uh, the rungs in it. And we're going to go to rung number 46. And you talk about the wonder, working power of the blood of Jesus Christ, the healer. You talk about a period in your life of ill health. You talk dialysis, alternative medication, and how for you holding on to God's unchanging hand and losing your ability to pray. This was quite, I would say, a hard chapter for you to write. Would you care to open up here? And why was this so important for you to put in the book, Eleanor? Yes, um, it's very important for me to mention, you know, the, the, I wouldn't say troubles, but the, um, the situation with my kidneys, um, my kidneys started failing, um, for a, a, a few months before when I traveled first, when I noticed that my feet would swell up and a lot of stuff would happen to me. Like I'm not, you know, I would be disoriented and things I'd be going through, but eventually the doctors diagnosed me that I had a kidney problem. I, um, I was put on dialysis, not on dialysis, but I was put on medication for a year and a half. Uh, I had to take 16 and a half tablets every day for a year and a half. And there was one particular tablet. When I take that, I cannot pick my head up off the pillow for the entire day. And I would, over the, over the period of months that I was sick, my face would blow up. I would, like they would say, I had moon face and buffalo shoulders from the medication. And I was looking really bad, but I was feeling better. 
Um, and as the months go on, I, 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 you know, felt better. I felt better. But I, I, I tell you something, John, that's not written in the book. You know, I eventually lost my kidney. Um, the left one had to be taken out maybe about five years ago. During, you know, the time before that I was getting treatment for it, treatment and treatment. Um, there's so much that went on, with especially my left kidney, that it could not, it could not hold up to the medication eventually. So I, I lost that kidney uh, five years ago. So now I only have one kidney. But it's important to me to mention that in the book, because there's a lot of things that we can do to avoid having bad kidneys, which uh, at the time I did not know. And I was told, you know, from the doctors um, coming out of Jamaica that um, maybe they're saying maybe it's something from the ocean. Maybe it's some virus that I picked up from the sand, from the sea. I was never a frequent visitor to the ocean. I was never a frequent visitor to the beach. But they are saying that I picked up something maybe from the ocean that gave me a bad kidney. But God healed me during that time. So I didn't die from kidney failures, you know. So um, I took my medication and till eventually when I went to the doctors, um, a few months coming up to the end of the medication, uh, the doctor told me that I was completely cured. Nothing was wrong with my kidneys anymore. And he took me off medication. So I was off medication for a, quite a few years when eventually I had, you know, like a kidney um, malfunctioning again, something reoccurred and um, they had to take the kidney out. So do you think that the Lord was with you throughout those periods, you know, when you, know, uh, you and your own personal life were having struggling? Oh, yes. I, I knew he was with me. Hadn't, if he was not with me, I would not be with you today. <laughs> I would not be talking with and you let's, today. And let's all be thankful for that, everybody. Yes, we, we're thankful that Absolutely. He, was he was with me and he brought me through all of that. The struggles, you know, the medication, you know, he healed me through all of that. Yeah, that's the whole point of the book. It's the ups and downs of your personal and your spiritual life, which I say, everybody, is entwined. One, you don't get one without the other. Yeah. Not with you. No. I want to go, Eleanor, to um, the last chapter, chapter 12, Sweet Rewards. That's what you headed it up as. And here we're at the top of the ladder, everybody. Hey, we've got there. <laughs> wrong number 56. And the wrong number 56, you've titled it, It Was Worth It. Was it worth it, Eleanor? Yes, it was worth it because um, of all the, um, uh, the struggles that I have been through, you know, of all the, 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 the different churches that we have come up with. The many things that we that I have seen, the many experiences that I've had, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, it's not worth going any further. Sometimes I feel like um, I could throw in the towel, as they would say. Sometimes I feel, but when I think of all the rewards that I have gotten, 
from the inception of my life, from the inception of the church, it was worth it. The, the different experiences, the different roads that I have traveled, the different encounters, you know, um, I've not regretted any of it. I thank God for the experiences that I've had and the experiences that I've had taught me how to deal with others and how to deal with circumstances and situations. And I'm able to mentor others because I've been down that road before. Uh, I, I'm able to, to tell someone that, hey, there is a ditch down the road. When you get there, don't go to the left because there's a ditch there. You know, I'm able to tell someone else, you know, so I was happy for that. So the reward of all of that, what I've been through in the, in the, from chapter one coming on down or from the beginning of my life coming on down, it culminates into that sweet reward. You know, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm hilarious. I'm glad that I've experienced it, even though at the time when I'm going through, it may not have looked like I would have enjoyed it, but in the end, thank God. Because it taught me and the experiences that I have, I could pass it on to my children and they could pass it on to their children's children and so on. And that's why I think you chose Revelations chapter 22, verse 12, which starts and behold. I come quickly. Absolutely. And my reward, my reward, that's, that's, what, that's what I think every day that I'm working towards getting my reward in the end. I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to hear that. I want to hear, enter into the joy that I, God, have prepared for you. You know, I want to hear that when I mention Revelation. I, I know what's going to be at the end because I've read the end of the book. So I know what his promises will be. Because Revelations, Revelations is a very complex book. Yes, it is. It is. Eleanor, what's next for you, both personally and, you know, what do you have any more writings coming up? Have you got any plans to do any more books? Please tell us. Well, I think I do have uh, a, another a uh, few rounds to write because life goes on. And as long as life goes on, there are rungs. Because experiences that I've had up to when I wrote rungs on my ladder, I went a few rungs more and still going. As long as I'm alive, I'm, I'm, I'm making <laughs> rungs. <laughs> I'm making rungs as long as I'm alive. So I think I'm going to do a continuation of rungs on my ladder number two. You know, wow. picking up from where I've left off. Well, I just hope I get to chat to you about that one. Oh, Yes. <laughs> Um, Eleanor, where can people get your book from? Well, or they can books? get my my book from you know from um, I'm on Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, and of course you know um, they could go to my website and they could also go to Trafford Publishing. They um, carry my books, but all the leading bookstores, mostly all the leading bookstores, carry right. my books. Eleanor Riley, thank you for joining me today and. It's been a great pleasure talking to you about your book, your life, your spirituality. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having me, John. Eleanor Riley, everybody. I'm JT Crowley. Thanks for listening. Uh, listening, watching, wherever you are in the world. So until next time, 
Stay safe. Mm-hmm.